This edition of the Bio Report is brought to you by the California Technology Council, providing discounts on products and services essential to every startup. For more information, visit californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Celiac disease, an autoimmune disorder that has helped to drive the gluten-free food craze, can carry serious complications. There's no treatment for the disease, which afflicts an estimated 2.4 million people in the United States. PVP Biologics is taking a unique approach to treating celiac disease with its Kumamax, a synthetic enzyme that degrades the parts of gluten that trigger an immune response. We spoke to Adam Simpson, president and CEO of PVP Therapeutics, about the interesting history behind Kumamax, how it works, and why it will be the only drug PVP ever develops. Adam, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. We're going to talk about PVP biologics, celiac disease, and the enzyme it's developing to treat the condition. Let's start with celiac disease itself. I'm sure more people are familiar with the gluten-free food craze than they are with celiac disease itself. But what is celiac disease? How common is it? How does it manifest itself? And what are the long-term consequences of the disease? Sure. And, and you're right. It's, it's funny. Gluten uh, has definitely become, uh, uh, you know, a well-known uh, bad actor. And there, and there are certainly uh, lots of folks out there that are choosing to avoid gluten, uh, yet absolutely don't have celiac disease. So celiac, there's about two and a half million uh, folks in the United States that, that have this autoimmune condition. It's actually much more common than irritable bowel disease, which you may have heard of before. And for these folks, there is a bad actor in gluten uh, that causes this autoimmune reaction when the, the bad actor in gluten uh, reaches the small intestine. And it's really, really hard to uh, avoid gluten. Uh, on average, uh, people eat 15 to 20 grams of gluten a day with a lot. It's in, it's in everything. Uh, there's lots of concerns about cross-contamination, even if you're trying to be on a gluten-free diet. And frankly, one of my favorite things is a gluten-free diet uh, isn't even gluten-free. It, it, it's like decaf coffee. It, it's just less gluten or less caffeine oh. in, the, in the decaf uh, coffee situation. So it's very, very hard to avoid gluten, uh, but yet it makes these two and a half million patients uh, or, or folks really, really sick. Are there treatments they, available today? No, the only treatment is, in fact, a gluten-free diet. Uh, and you obviously see those foods and, you know, when you go to the supermarket, but, but that's it. Um, and again, that's really the, the basis for why there needs to be a therapeutic approach. If, if these patients have gluten in their diet, then they'll get very severe, uh, 
pain, diarrhea. Uh, if you don't avoid gluten, it can go on to cause uh, lymphoma, uh, bone disorders, cancer, like I said, and an overall increase in mortality. So it's, it's a real serious condition, which you know, is badly in need of therapy. Why is maintaining a gluten-free diet not a satisfactory approach to living with celiac disease? Uh, is it be simply because you, you can't avoid gluten no matter how hard you try? What should people unfamiliar with the disease and the dietary restrictions understand about the need for a, a therapeutic approach? It's extremely difficult to be compliant on a gluten-free diet. So that's really generating the need. Uh, when you talk to patients with celiac disease or there's been uh, recent publications, the, the burden of celiac disease on patients is uh, incredibly high relative to other diseases. And you can imagine the, the burden and anxiety if, uh, if you had a child that's going to go to a birthday party and not knowing what they could or they couldn't eat there or the risk of, of cross-contamination or, like I said, in some instances, folks are actually truly compliant with a gluten-free diet and continue to be symptomatic uh, because there can nonetheless be gluten in those gluten-free labeled foods. Uh, so it's, it's just incredibly challenging when you talk to patients for them to, uh, you know, live with this diet and uh, live with the, the fear and risk that despite trying to do everything right, there's, there's still a problem. Your company is working to develop a synthetic enzyme dubbed Pumamax as a treatment for celiac disease. Pumamax has an interesting history. As I understand it, it, it emerged as a potential therapy through an undergraduate competition at the University of Washington for the International Genetically Engineered Machine. Can you explain how it came about? Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating story. Uh, so our uh, founder, Ingrid Swanson Cole led a undergraduate team in 2011 at the University of Washington, uh, where they were participating in the competition that you mentioned. And the point of the competition is this premier uh, competition in synthetic biology, and the goal was to design a new molecule or or system uh, as a therapy. And so this particular group uh, picked celiac disease. Uh, what University of Washington was working on is, uh, in, in particular, the group at the University of Washington is how you use computers to help design molecules like what became uh, Pumamax, and so that's really the, the special sauce, so to speak, on the UW side, uh, and they were able to generate a prototype Pumamax molecule, uh, and then ultimately this group of students won uh, the international competition in, in 2011 for the initial prototype design. From there, our uh, founder, uh, Ingrid, and an, uh, another co-founder, uh, Justin Siegel, continued to work on the enzyme, and Ingrid in particular shepherded it from 2001 uh, up until last year when PVP licensed the technology out of the University of Washington. You mentioned celiac disease as an autoimmune disease. I, I think of other approaches to autoimmune diseases trying to modulate the immune system, Kumamax is, is a very different type of approach. It's not an enzyme replacement, and, and, and it's not trying to modulate the immune system. How does Kumamax work? Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. So the goal of Kumamax, you would 
assuming successful uh, clinical trials and, and regulatory approval uh, with the FDA, you know, the goal of, of Cunamax is that you would actually uh, potentially take uh, a tablet immediately prior to a meal, and the, the, the drug Cunamax would then be in your stomach and actually degrade the bad actors in gluten uh, from your meal so that they never reach the small intestine. And, and you said it exactly right. It's a fundamentally different approach than immune modulation. So what we're trying to develop a product is to avoid the activation of the immune system and the underlying inflammation and symptoms and avoid the body from ever seeing the bad actor versus uh, trying to modulate the immune system, which you can imagine that the side effect profile uh, of, of immune modulation is, you know, essentially very, very different than just having your body never recognize something uh, to begin with. The starting point for the students in, in designing this molecule was a bacterial enzyme. You're not using a bacterial enzyme, but this is an enzyme that, that performed well in acidic environments. Does this create some issue, though, with it being a foreman protein? And is there a potential for an immune response? You know, great question. We, we think the answer is no. Of course, that's one of the things that we'll be looking at as, as the uh, product continues through uh, clinical development. Uh, but we believe that the enzyme, uh, you eat 15 to 20 grams of gluten a day, gluten's a protein, just one component of your diet. Uh, a human being ingests a ton of protein, literally, you know, over the course of the year. This is just one more protein. It just happens to be a, a, a you know, a very specific protein engineered for a particular purpose. Uh, we don't believe that the drug product is even absorbed in the body. It's just excreted. And so it's a fascinating, uh, scientific, uh, advancement that from a, a drug perspective, uh, and a safety profile, it, it shouldn't be absorbed and its target is not present in the human body. So what you're normally concerned about with side effects or safety is off-target toxicity. Well, here we have an enzyme that's specific for the bad actor in gluten, and the bad actor in gluten is not even in your body. So it'll be excreted and, you know, we expect it to be uh, very, very safe. I think of enzymes normally needing to be injected or infused. This is an oral therapy. Is there a delivery challenge as far as it breaking down before it has a chance to act? Uh, absolutely. So it's really a, a, a new paradigm. You're, you're right that, uh, in general, uh, the biologic drug products approved in the United States are injectable, uh, and, and this is an oral product. And the stomach, at low pH, the stomach's whole job, the reason your stomach has acid it, is to degrade and destroy protein as part of the digestive system, and, and so really a lot of the, the you know the art that that Ingrid and her colleagues uh, were able to develop with Fumac and using the sophisticated uh, computational technology at the University of Washington is how you could design an enzyme to withstand the pH, the low pH, of the stomach, and still have it be active, and that's exactly what we think is happening. As an oral therapy, how is it produced? Is it is it chemically synthesized, or is it produced as you would a biologic? 
it's produced like you would a biologic. So it's, it's going to be grown in a, a certain cell type, just like a biologic. Um, but the, the art here is, like you said, traditionally biologics are injectables. Uh, this has the biologic piece in common, but yet it also has the traditional small molecule world or, or other uh, medications you probably take or, or the other people you know take that are taken orally. So it's really a synthesis of both the small molecule side from a formulation perspective, but yet the, the compound itself is infected by a lot. The company in January entered into a $35 million agreement that includes an option to acquire the company for an undisclosed amount following completion of early stage clinical testing. Walk us through that agreement. Yeah, it was a, a, a wonderful uh, transaction. Shortly, we, we got that announced shortly after we enlightened the technology from University of Washington, uh, and we were uh, able to, to choose a wonderful partner uh, in Takeda that has a, a, a world-leading uh, GI presence. And the transaction we entered, entered into with Takeda, effectively, we sold Takeda an option uh, to buy the company after phase one, uh, in exchange for which uh, Takeda funded the $35 million that, that you refer to. That $35 million allows us to develop the molecule uh, through phase one. And by doing this structure, uh, you know, effectively Takeda was the financing uh, entity through this option payment uh, versus raising traditional venture capital. It's an interesting choice to make at this stage. Does PVP have a pipeline or future beyond Kumamex, or is it a, about this one project? It's, it's about this one project. So um, we are uh, 100% dedicated to making sure that, that Kumamex is successful. That said, uh, you know, we've built a, a wonderful team uh, as, a, as a collective. Uh, there's been lots of success, uh, both at the board level uh, previously, and then specifically on the management team, uh, this group of folks has previously worked in inflammation and GI diseases, and we've been able to uh, advance a product with Shire that's currently in phase three uh, in a similar space. And so my my point is, we're 100 percent committed, um, and you know, once we make uh, this one a success, we'll be back at it. I'm sure. Oh, what's the case for this kind of business model? Is this something you think others should consider replicating in, in terms of taking a, a product rather than building a, a company around it? Yeah, I, I think it's a, I, I think it's a, a great business model that it's a capital efficient approach where you're really focused on, on one molecule, uh, and I think it's also a, a great uh, opportunity for pharma to access innovative technology earlier than they might have otherwise. Uh, been able to, uh, and so I think you're going to see more and more of not necessarily our exact deal with Takeda, where Takeda, uh, you know, effectively funded the entirety of the company. But there's been more and more uh, early stage deals where perhaps the venture capitalists put up a certain percentage of the money, pharma puts up the rest, and there's kind of a prepackaged deal. Uh, I think that's going to be happening more and more because pharma is definitely uh, reaching uh, earlier and earlier to. I capture assets that they're interested in. Adam Simpson, President and CEO of PVP Therapeutics. Adam, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.